Right, make some notes, okay? Okay. One second. Because I'm trying to make something work at the same time. <laughs> Hi, Tani. Hello. Hello. You got... This is on my birthday. Oh, you got that for your birthday? From Schwartz Media, I'm Osman Faruqi. This is 7am. Last week, four-year-old Tanika Murugupan and her mum Priya were medically evacuated from Christmas Island to a hospital in Perth. It was a dramatic escalation in the so far three-year-long detention of the Tamil family from Biloela. Today, writer for the Saturday paper, Rebecca Holt, on what has happened to the family and why the government is treating them the way they are. Rebecca, last week you were able to speak to Priya and Tanika from the hospital where they were in Perth. You were actually the first journalist to talk to Priya. Can you tell me about that conversation? Yes, I've been reporting on this family since 2018. And over that time, there have been a lot of health issues. How are you, Priya? I'm very, very hard. It's very upset. She was in the hospital room that's under guard. They've got two guards outside of that room the entire time. I'm worried, very sad. All the time, Tarnika, Papa, Papa, Dad, Dad is, I look sick, sister, Dad, Dad is all the time crying. Uh, she was lying in the hospital bed with Tarnika resting up against her and understandably Priya is just exhausted. Tell me what happened. Tarnika, two weeks uh, sick, uh, four days cold, ten days fever, uh, up and down in the temperature is very high. Friday night, vomiting, um, stomach pain, leg pain, ear pain. I, I wanted to know what the, the lead up to this air evacuation was and she was incredibly succinct about what had led up to it and the the lack of care she felt that the family had received from the medical provider within the detention centre on the island. My everyday call in the ash line in the Sydney head office, no uh, other antibiotic, blood test, nothing, no 10 days continuous sick. I think we all know the broad strokes of what's happening here. A Tamil family ends up in Biloela, a town in central Queensland where they become well-liked in the community. They have two daughters who are born in Australia and then they end up in detention. But let's go back to the very beginning. How did they come to Australia and how did they end up in Biloela? So both Priya and Adiz are both Tamil and they came to uh, Australia separately and independently of each other. They didn't know each other. Met in the Tamil community very normally and married and... They went to Biloela and uh, Nadez was working in the meatworks there at the time that the Dawn Raid happened and they were taken from Queensland in 2018, March 15th it was, all the way south to Victoria to the Melbourne Detention Centre. 
Priya's bridging visa had lapsed literally the day before. It was pre-dawn, it was a dark, she was making some food. Uh, she's still breastfeeding Tanaka at that stage. She was eight months old, the girls were tiny. And a bunch of uniformed ABF staff in unmarked cars showed up and took them into custody. The town of Biloela rallied after the family was taken in March to detention for allegedly overstaying bridging visas. And everybody was in a state of disbelief that they'd been snatched from their community. Our town love this little family and we want them. We want them to come home. 100,000 people have signed a petition calling on Immigration Minister Peter Dutton to step in. So 17 to 18 months later after that initial shift from their home down to Melbourne, they're in detention. There was an attempted deportation by the Australian government of this family. The children can be seen here on this phone vision taken by their father, Nadez, on Thursday night on board the plane that was to take the family back to Sri Lanka. No warning, bunch of guards. Uh, Priya dragged onto a plane. Children scream for their mother, Priya. She can just be seen here, surrounded by immigration staff who force her along the aisle. That plane took off, but... uh, Just before it took off, the lawyer managed to get an injunction in place. The plane was forced to land in Darwin. The Tamil family was taken from a Darwin military base last evening to Christmas Island. They say they are the only detainees there. And they landed on Christmas Island at one o'clock in the morning at a detention centre that the government had seen fit to shut. Uh, And I often think about how that was for them. I think about the fact that they both spent time there when they first arrived in Australia and... You know, they arrived in the middle of the night with their little girls, their little Australian-born girls, and that would have been overwhelming. So they end up in Christmas Island. What? Why were they sent there, and what is that facility like? Christmas Island is uh, technically a part of Australia's onshore detention system on paper, even though it's... 2,600 k's from the Australian mainland, uh, you know. So that detention centre has been notorious as the harshest in the onshore system. It's a place that asylum seekers are sent to be punished. And so it's incredibly isolated. And then the area that they live in is these, uh, as their lawyer has said, it's these like old tin cabins sort of all in a row. And that's meant that they've had to share a bed because there's not a way for the girls to have their own rooms where mum and dad can safely hear them and be in touch with them. And given that these are kids who have had so much trauma already, the girls already have disturbed sleep and that's been noted in psychological reports. So it's safer for them, they say, to be all together because they're still checked throughout the night by guards. There's still a a head count done. So they're sent to Christmas Island there the only people living in this particular part of the facility, they're sharing a bed. The, the girls' sleeping patterns are disturbed. I'm sure that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the psychological and physical challenges. Can you take me to what happened last week? Priya explained to me that Tanaka had been sick for 10 days leading up to that air evacuation and they'd been trying to get doctor's help from IHMS, which is the medical provider contracted to the Department of Home Affairs. Staff, they've been saying, no, it's just flu or something? Yes, it's virus infection, flu, 
sometimes five days, sometimes three days. It's uh, depending on some children. It's okay, nothing, no serious, nothing, no serious. Now, here's an example of how nonsensical their living conditions are. They don't get given access to a bottle of kitty Panadol. They have to ring a helpline. Where were the staff? They didn't come to you? No, in the support staff in the ring in the ash line first. Uh, after mama, sometimes papa talking S line. Um, finally, Sarko uh, bring the Panadol. They go back and forth endlessly in this 10 days at night time with this kind of situation. And they tell me that what happens is that eventually a guard will bring them a single dose of Panadol for Tarnica. So this had been going on for days. They're all exhausted. Nobody's sleeping. They've got a, a kid that's his condition is unstable. Oh, so many questions. Why Tarnica symptom? Everything asked every night. Uh, Saturday night, I ash line is uh, lots of argue. Um, um, Sunday morning, uh, hospital in the pickup in IHMS. So they they finally got the attention of a doctor from the IHMS service within the detention centre at two a.m. that morning. At nine a.m., they were taken to Christmas Island Hospital, uh, which is the hospital service for the locals. And Priya has said that, and this is quite a disturbing detail, that the doctors at the hospital at first didn't understand where she and the Dears were from and asked them why they hadn't brought their child to the hospital earlier. There was a concern about a blood infection and the decision was made in under 24 hours to get Tarnica air evacuated and onto the mainland of Australia for the appropriate level of healthcare, which isn't available on the island. And when they got to Perth, the Royal Children's Hospital, she was diagnosed with pneumonia and she's under treatment for that at the moment. We'll be back in a moment. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Rebecca, you've been covering the story of this family for many years now. Tanaka's been sick for much of that time. Can you tell me more about that? So uh, reports that I've seen, uh, a report compiled by staff at the Royal Children's Hospital in August of 2018, there were already negative health outcomes for both girls. They were Both of them were having physical and psychological effects from living in that closed detention environment. And that, for Tanaka, that was showing up as a 
a significant vitamin D deficiency. Now, remember, she goes into detention at eight months old. Her teeth are still forming. She's breastfeeding. On a, a really big shock on her little body, she goes from sunny Queensland, little small town, into Melbourne, into a small unit where she and her parents are only let out for up to half an hour a day. Uh, the notes on Tanaka's behaviour mention that she spends a, a lot of time at the window, wants to go outside. And as a child, as a toddler, was notably quiet. There's additional mention of Tanaka's older sister, Kopaka, who was demonstrating some behaviour at that point that was mentioned, which was that she was biting her own hands when she was feeling frustrated. Rebecca, these are pretty disturbing reports and they go back three years. So were any changes made to the way the children were being treated in detention? No, there were no changes and that was one of the really surprising things. So I reported on that report uh, in September 2018 and I I thought that there would be some changes and to be honest, from a reporting point of view, I thought that they would be uh, promptly let out of detention then because I thought that it would be so embarrassing for the Australian government that a child had become that ill in a immigration detention centre that they would want uh, that particular flavour of shame to end there. Ultimately, Rebecca, we're talking about one family right now. Why is the government taking such a hardline position here? The, the family have a home in Australia. The girls were born here. They don't know anywhere else to call their home. Why won't the government just allow them to settle here in Australia? That's a really good question. And I, d- I don't think there's a perfect answer to it other than the, the government has chosen this path and, and stuck to it for a really long time. And Scott Morrison was the immigration minister when some, if not most of the hardest and most extreme immigration laws were put in place in this country, which have seen... Uh, terrible outcomes for asylum seekers, which will take years and years of law changes to recover from. So that's the man in charge of this at the moment. And I believe that's the man who ultimately has the decision for what happens to this family. Rebecca, when you um, called Priya last week, you also spoke to Tanika briefly. What did she say to you? She said a couple of things. She talks about that her hand hurts. You got some needles and you're very brave. My hand is hurting. You got some Um, medicine? Somebody get blood. She talked about her birthday. I want value for my birthday. (laughs) She talked about a cake she wanted uh, that she'd seen a picture of some of her friends from Biloela had sent through a picture and she was talking about that. I am going to be four. You are such a big girl now. And that's her fourth birthday under guard and, you know, effectively detained. That's really hurting. Mm. I want my dad. Rebecca, thank you for your time today and thank you for your reporting on this situation. Thank you, Oz.
On Monday, Acting Prime Minister Michael McCormack announced that plans were being made to reunite the family by bringing Tarnika's father Nadez and sister Kopika to Perth. But no decision has been made yet on their long-term future and whether or not they'll be allowed to settle in Australia. Sloane Crosley is known for her funny and acerbic personal essays, but her new memoir digs much deeper to examine the loss of her best friend. Join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Sloane about Grief is for People. Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news, Victoria has recorded two new cases of COVID-19, both in children. They are linked to existing cases and there's been no community exposure in their infectious period. There was no announcement yesterday on the proposed easing of restrictions. And in New South Wales, a producer for YouTuber Jordan Shanks, known as Friendly Geordies, has been charged with stalking offences after interactions with New South Wales Deputy Premier John Barillaro. Barillaro also recently launched defamation proceedings against Shanks. As part of his bail conditions, the producer is not allowed to possess images or caricatures of Barillaro or comment on his appearance or behaviour. I'm Osman Faruqi. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.